This morning, thank you guys for leading us in worship, and uh, let's be, wow, I just pulled that apart, I'm stronger than I thought. Um, let's be praying for Holly, and uh, she's with us till September, and so if you get a chance to hang out with her, uh, that would be great, a chance to ask her some questions and spend some time with her. Uh, I want to say thank you, too, for your giving uh, over the last uh well, the last couple of years, as, as COVID has happened, thank you so much for your generosity and your giving. And uh, we've done giving a lot different. Uh, we've, we have our boxes out there. You have a chance to give online. Um, you can still mail, and we've talked about that. But as COVID is wrapped up, you'll be noticing that we'll be creeping back to our, our old form of giving. And there's a reason for that. And I want to just take a minute and, and mention it to you as we, uh, as we get ready to, to look at the Word of God this morning. Giving isn't about the money. And I know that sounds really weird for me to say, but it's true. It's not about the money. It's about what God is doing in our hearts. And as Christ followers, our giving is in direct relation to how God has a hold and how he's teaching us and what he's doing in our hearts. And scripture tells us this, that, that God wants every aspect of our life. And so we talk about coming to faith, having a relationship with Jesus Christ, which is key. It's very, very important that we come to that place where we understand that we're a sinner in need of a Savior. And we talk about that all the time here at Mossbrook. But when we come to the place where we understand that we're a sinner in need of a Savior and we need Jesus Christ to change our, the direction that our life is going, the trajectory of our life completely, and we repent and we give our life to Jesus Christ, then he owns, he becomes our Lord and our master of our life. And when he becomes Lord and master of our life, what that means is it means that he has every aspect of our life. Every part of us belongs to him. So there's nothing that's mine. And I know we struggle with that, especially in the culture we live in. We're individuals and we want, we want things to be ours and we want to own stuff and we want to be in control and we want to be the ones who say what's, what happens in our lives. But the truth is, is when we come to know Jesus Christ, he becomes the Lord and master of our life. And so all of my time and all of my energy and all of my skills and all of the, the, the stuff, the finances and the stuff that I accumulate, that all belongs to him. And so part of our giving, and when we give as individuals, we're saying, yes, God, this is yours. You bless me with it. But then as we do it corporately as a body, what we're saying as a body is we agree with who God is. And we agree with what he's doing in our hearts and our lives. And we're in this corporately together. And as an act of our worship, we're going to give all of ourselves to him. And so that's what giving is really all about. And we really feel as elders that we're missing part of that. When we don't have that opportunity corporately to do that together, we miss out in worshiping together in that aspect. Now, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden we have to put all kinds of, of money in there, but it's, it's a pause. It's stopping in our service and saying, yeah, we agree. 
This is God's. And so you're going to see that. We're going to be talking about it. It's not that those things are going to disappear. That's not what we're doing. But we just don't want to walk away from some of the things that pull us together in worship corporately as a body of believers. And we're afraid that some of that may may happen. And we, we want to be careful with that. And we want to continue to teach and learn together as a body of believers. So you'll see us. We'll be talking more about that and, and bringing that back. Would you just pause with me for a moment as we look in, before we look into the word of God, I want to just spend a moment talking to God and asking for his help. Father, thank you so much for the wonderful opportunity that is ours to be together here this morning, to worship, uh, to lift your, your son, Jesus Christ, to lift his name up. Uh, we are such a blessed people. Um, you, you have in so many ways blessed us personally and then as a body of believers, but as a church corporately and then the church in North America, we have so much. Thank you. Help us to be found faithful with what you've given us. Help us to be good stewards. Help us as individuals to remember um, just the way that you've blessed and that everything that, that we have isn't ours, it's, it's yours. And you get to use it as you see fit. So thank you so much for all that, that you've done in our hearts and our lives. Thanks how you've used this body to make a difference in this, this community that we live in. And, and we really want to do more of that. We want to be able to help people see Jesus Christ here and then around the different places in the world that we already support. And so God, this morning as we open your word once again, I, I ask that your spirit would be free to touch our hearts. We've all had different weeks. There's been challenges. There's been victories. There's been disappointments. Um, there's probably been some relational things that have gone sideways this week in people's lives that, that they're struggling with and they need answers to. There's probably some interpersonal things that are going on in their hearts that, that they just don't know which way to turn. God, you are the God who provides all that we need, and that's a promise you've given and so by, the, by, by your spirit this morning, would you speak to our hearts and our lives? Would you encourage us? Thanks for your word. Thanks for the promise that it will never return void and that if we listen to it, it has the, it's alive and it has the ability to change our very hearts. Thank you for that. So in the next few moments, we ask that you would do your work in us and that we would be open to that and we'd say yes to you. In your name we pray, amen. We have been traveling through the book of Genesis um, at a rapid clip because there's a lot that goes on and we've already covered uh, a number of chapters, actually the first 11. We're going to be in chapter 12 this morning and uh, we're moving right along and we won't be able to cover everything in the book. Um, but we know this, that God made the world and he made it perfect when he did it. We know that, that Adam and Eve, that man that God made, quickly fell and uh, had a problem with God uh, because of their, their desire to do things their own way and to be their own people and wanting to be like God. And they sinned against God and they fell in the garden. We know that it wasn't too long after the fall of Adam and Eve that the whole world uh, was affected by sin. And God looked at the mess that they were in and he decided he was going to start again. And he saved Noah and he started again. He wiped the entire earth out and the world out. Um, 
to start again, to deal with sin. And then Pastor Mike shared with us last week that just in a very short, a few generations after the flood, man was back to his old thing again and decided not to fulfill the promise of God, which was to be fruitful and multiply and fill the entire earth. And instead, they decided to come together, do their own thing their own way, and show how wonderful they were. And the pride in their heart caused God to go, look, because you won't listen to me, I will force you to do what I asked. And if we remember, right, they built a great structure, and they were trying to look great before God, And God said, no, I'm not having that. And he confused their languages and he spread them out over the earth once again. And it's a problem with humanity, right? We struggle with this. All of us struggle with wanting to do our own thing our own way. Even as Christ followers, we come to know Jesus Christ. And yet, off and on throughout our walk with God, we struggle with coming to places in our lives where we say, God, I may know a little bit better than you in this area of my life. And because I do, I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to live my life this way. I know you've asked me to do this. I know you've said this to me, but I think I've got this figured out. And so I'm going to do it my way. I know you haven't, I'm just, that's a general statement. I know you have never been there. You've never tried that yourself right? Yes, we have. We all have. What I love about the person of God is that way back at the beginning of Genesis, when Adam and Eve fell, he knew the heart of man. And I I love to remind myself of, of a couple of facts. Fact number one, God wasn't surprised. Didn't catch him off guard. God wasn't sitting in heaven and all of a sudden saying, now, what do I do with these people? The plan was this and they did that. He wasn't taken by surprise. He was disappointed because he created mankind for a relationship with him. And that, that perfect relationship was the communication and the, the community that was there. If you look at John 17, he says it this way, oh, that man would know the relationship that the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have, oh, that they would experience that togetherness. And so the heart of God was for a perfect relationship with mankind, but he wasn't shocked. And he wasn't wringing his hand wondering what he was going to do. God already had a plan. And this morning, I want to talk to you about one more step in that plan that God had for mankind. Have you ever been called by somebody to do something special? Have you ever had somebody need you to do something, some, some, something that not everybody could do, but, but they knew you could do it? And, and they, they picked up the phone or, or they came and saw you and said, hey, look, I need this to happen and, and I can't do it myself, but, but I, have, I, have, I have this task and it can't be done unless you do it for me. That ever happened to you? It makes you feel very special. It makes you feel wanted. It makes you feel needed. And all of a sudden in your life, you look look at it and you go, wow, I have a purpose. There's a reason why I exist. There's a reason why I'm here. And if I fulfill this, I'm helping people out. And and it, it builds me up. It helps me to be better as a person. It helps me to grow in my relationships. Well, that's what happened in chapter 12. 
It wasn't that, that God was at, at wit's end saying, I don't know how this is going to work. But God came to this guy, Abram, and he said to him, he said, I have a special job for you. Now, I need you to understand some background to make this make sense, okay? This guy, Abram, his name becomes Abraham later in life. God changes his name. But at this point, his name is Abram. And this guy, Abram, we always think of him when we read Scripture and we read the stories. And then in the New Testament, when he's mentioned, he's mentioned as a great patriarch of the faith. And we we always think of his life as being this great guy who followed God. And he was. But what you need to understand is where he came from. Abram came from a family If you looked in the book of Joshua, you would find that his dad was an idol worshiper. His dad was a heathen. It actually doesn't tell us that his dad ever came to a relationship with God. It doesn't say anything about that. The Ur of the Chaldees, where where Abram grew up, was a, a city. It was an advanced city for its time. It had, they believed that it had libraries and that it, it had educational places for people to learn, that it had systems of government all in place, that it was an advanced city, but it was also a very heathen city. And idol worship was huge where Abram grew up. And it doesn't tell us much about that there was really any influence by God, Jehovah God, in the city where Abram grew up. And so here's this guy who grows up in this city with a father who was, Joshua tells us, was an idol. He was known as an idol worshiper. This is who this guy was. That was his dad. And we get to chapter 12 of the book of Genesis, and we start reading at verse 1. Let let me read it for you. Verses 1 to 3, it says, And the Lord said to Abram, Go from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt, and all the people, stop, all the people of the earth, see that, all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. Stop, stop, listen to me for a minute. Here's a guy who's about 75 years old at this point in his life who grew up in a city where they're not worshiping Jehovah God. His dad is an idol worshiper, and he's, he's so far down the, the lane of idol worship that he's mentioned in Joshua's, that was his life. That's who this guy was. He did not know Jehovah. He didn't care about Jehovah God. That was not on his radar, and so it wasn't on Abram's radar There is zero mention to this point anywhere in Scripture or mentioned later in Scripture that Abram had ever heard from God before. Now, maybe he had, but there's no mention of it. Now, think about this. Some of you might be 75 years old here. Okay? You might be. But think about this, if you've lived your life and you're 75 years old, just take it from where you are, whatever point of life you're at. If all of a sudden, God comes to you today, 
at lunch. We're going to put you at lunch. You're having lunch. There's an extra seat at the table. God walks up, pulls up a seat, sits down at the table with you and says, Hey, I need you to leave your family. I need you to leave all your relatives. I need you to pack up your stuff. I need you to go down the road. Now, you have a context. If you're sitting here this morning, you at least have some context that there's a God. And most of you that are sitting here in these theaters or you're watching online, you are, you are coming from a background where you say, yes, I believe there's a God. I have a relationship with God. In other words, I've, I've, I've accepted Christ as my Savior. And you would struggle with God sitting down at your table saying, I need you to leave. Right? Am I right? You'd say, did I eat bad food? That would be what would be going on, right? Is there, did I eat something I'm hallucinating, or, right? That's what would be going on in your mind. Here's a guy who has zero context. I still need these notes. He has zero context, and God shows up in his life and says, hey, I need you to leave everything that you know, the people that you know, your relatives that you know, and I want you to go to a different place. And I'm going to show, I'm not even telling you where you're going. I just want you to go. And I'm going to show you what's next. Follow me. If you were Abram, would you go? If you were you, and God did that at lunch today, would you go? You have to understand that this is crazy. This is nuts. You have to understand that the people who lived around him are going to think he's off his rocker. They are. They worship gods who never speak. They worship gods that they sacrifice and nothing comes back. We don't even know that he worshiped Jehovah God. And this is what happens. I want, I want to stop for a minute because I want you to understand something, that for every one of us sitting, sitting in this room, sitting in all the other theaters, watching online, God is calling every one of us. This morning, God is calling you. Come to me. He does it in all kinds of wonderful ways. Come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. It's one of his callings. Whosoever will may come. Come, I'm calling. Come, follow me. Remember in, the, remember in the Gospels? Come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. You remember in the end of the Gospels where Jesus said, go and make disciples? He's calling you. He may be calling you because you don't have a relationship with him yet. You haven't received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior yet, and he's calling you, come, come, and I'll deal with your sin. He may be calling you this morning as a Christ follower and saying, look, yeah, you took the step of faith, and I'm excited that you took the step of faith, but I need you to take the next step. And the next step is there are areas of in, your, in your life that you haven't yielded to me. Yes, yes, you, you realized you were a sinner and you repented, but you're still doing your own thing, your own way, believer, and I need you to come to me and trust me. He's calling. 
And like Abram, God didn't stop with Abram calling. All the way through the Old Testament, you see the voice and the hand of God beckoning to people to say, come, come, come to me, follow me. And we hit the New Testament and Jesus shows up and he echoes the exact same call all the way through the New Testament. Come, come, come to me, follow me. And the thing is, folks, if you're, if, if, if God is calling, you've got to answer. And no answer is an answer. It's no. And because you're here this morning, God is reminding you of the call. Because you're listening right now, God's reminding you of the call in your life. What is it that God's been calling What is it that he's been asking of you? What is it that he's put in your heart and he said, look, I really need you to go here and do this with these people. Maybe it's a ministry in the church. Maybe it's a ministry to people outside the church. Maybe it's simply being kind to the very people who live in your house. Maybe it's your next door neighbor. Maybe it's your extended family, but he's calling. He's calling. Have you heard him? Have you listened to his call? What's your answer been? The interesting thing about this little passage, and I'll move on, is that that call came with a promise. Did you see it? The promise was, if you come, if you follow Abram, then I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who curse you. God was telling Abram that God would be with him all the way through it and that the calling was not just to go do something and be on his own. The calling was, look, I'll call you to this, but my hand will be on you all the way through it. And folks, that same promise is ours from God today. When God calls us, he says, look, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you always. First, Second Peter says it this way, that I'll provide everything that you need to walk out your life through, through the Holy Spirit, will all be yours. That's the promise. I'll call you, but I'll provide all that you need so that you can walk this out. It's all yours. It's all there for you. By his power, he has given us everything required to walk out the call. It's yours. It's yours. Our calling comes with a problem. So he was called. That was first. Second, Abraham's answer. He answered him. Look at verse 4. He said, So Abraham went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. Abraham just, I, I don't understand this. I don't know how it all worked. But God showed up, and he called him. And Abraham said, Yeah, okay, you're right. And he packed up all his possessions. He's 75 years old. Hey, some of you are 40, and your house is full of stuff. You wouldn't want to move, Right? Right? Some of you have been in the same place for 60 years and you definitely don't want to move. You're like, there is so much stuff. Well, he's 75 years old. I know they were nomadic in nature, but it says that he packed up all his possessions. Lot, his son-in-law came with him. I mean, his nephew came with him and his family and they packed up their stuff. They jumped on their camels and donkeys and off they went. That's exactly what happened. He answered the call. Have you? Have you? It's incredible, incredibly interesting to me that here's a guy who was established. 
He had a life. He was doing well. He had made it. Scripture says that, that he took his possessions. He had stuff already. And when God called, he just packed it up and he left. How much of your stuff's holding you back from answering God's call? How many relationships are holding you back from answering God's call? We all must respond when God calls. How quickly will you respond? Some of us have been asked by God to do something and we're not willing, we're, 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 we're holding out because we feel like if we say yes, then God's going to leave us stranded somehow or somehow it's going to be less than what I have now. Know this, that whenever God calls us and he asks us to do something, not only does he provide, but he, he even gives us the desires of our hearts. Mike and I were talking this last week, and we were talking about being in ministry, and both of us were pushing quite a few years in ministry. It's hard to be able to say it out loud, because I've always been the young guy in the room, and I'm realizing that's ending. I'm not always the young guy. Between us, we're pushing 60 years of ministry, though, right, Mike? Yeah. And we realized something, and we were talking about doing ministry and doing, saying yes to God. And we realized something that in doing ministry, and ministry, as you may know, is not super lucrative. Um, it's not one of those jobs that you go into saying, I'm going to make a lot of money. There are people who do that. We didn't. Um, but you know what we realized? God's given us a lot of the desires of our heart. He has. Not in ways that we ever dreamed. But when God calls you and he asks you to do something, he provides. And he does it in amazing ways, and you know it's God. And you just go, yep, God did it again. And folks, if you're sitting here this morning and God is called, and you're, you're waiting to answer because you're afraid of what you'll lose, you'll gain far more by saying yes and answering the call of God in your life. So Abraham answered. Abraham answered. I need you to know something. When you answer, there's going to be people in your life who think you're foolish. They're going to think you're crazy. They're going to say things like, there's no way God would ask you to do that. Yeah, there is. God asks people all the time to do really crazy things that don't make sense, but they do for God. And so don't wait for everybody else to agree with, God, with God's calling on your life. Don't wait. If he's asking you to do something, just do it. Just do it. Answer. Answer the call. Abraham worshipped is the next... Hey, there you go. That was perfect. Abraham worshipped is the next thing that we run into there. So he had a call from God. He answered the call. And then you see his response. He worships God. Let me read it to you. John, uh, Genesis chapter 12, verses 6 and 7. Abraham passed through the land to the site of Shechem and at the oak of, of Morah. And at the time, the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and he said, To your offspring I will give this land. Now look at this. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. God called him. He said yes. He got on the move. He started. He started following God. He took off. He was moving in the direction of God. 
He was aware that this was God's moving in his life. This was not his. This was God's thing. He was aware of what God was doing in his heart and his life. He knew that the direction he was going in was because God sent him in the direction. And so he stops for a moment and he says, look, this is all about God. This isn't about me. And I need to worship God. I need to praise God. And so he builds an altar and he directs, he directs his heart and his attention toward God. And he said, God, you are Jehovah. And I'm following you. When was the last time in your life as a Christ follower that you just stopped whatever it was that you were doing? You stopped the direction that you were going just for a minute. And you just admitted that it was all God. That it was all God. This is God. This last week for me, there's been five or six times of things that have happened in my life where I just stopped and I said, God, this is you. God, this is you. This isn't me. God, you're doing things, things that are way beyond me, and I know you're in control. God, this is you. This is you. I don't understand all of it. God, this is you. It's all about you. God, I don't get how this is all going to but God... <laughs> This is you. And you worship God for who he is. When was the last time, believer, that you stopped and you just thanked him? God, thank you so much for calling me and leading me in this direction. And yeah, I'm a little overwhelmed with what's going on, God. And I don't get it all. But God, it's yours. It's you. I just worship you. See, worship in our heart, guys, what it does to us, it causes us to pause and it reestablishes our trust. It reestablishes the fact that he's God and I'm not. It reestablishes the fact that I can't do this on my own. I need you. It makes me stop and take a break and say, wow. If God wasn't in this, this wouldn't be happening at all. And that's what Abram did. He stopped and he took a moment and he pointed his, his eyes and his heart back toward heaven and he said, you called me. This is yours. This is yours. Believer, beware, be aware of what God is doing in you and for you and praise him. Praise him. Praise him often. Praise him with who you are, with what you have. Praise him daily. Praise him in your spirit. Praise him in your action. Praise him with your words. Admit before others that it's all about God and it's not you. I didn't do this. God did it. Admit it with your words. Praise and worship God. So these were all great. He had a call. He answered the call. He worshiped God. But then the next thing that you see, still in the same chapter, Abram fell. He fell. Let me read it to you. It's verses 10 to 16. And there was a famine in the land. And so Abram went down into Egypt to stay there for a while because the famine in the land was so severe. And when he was about to enter, enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, look, what a beautiful woman you are. And the Egyptians are going to see you and they will say, this is his wife and they'll kill me to get you. So please say that you're my sister so that all will go well because of you and my life will be spared. And he entered Egypt and the Egyptians saw that she was a beautiful woman. 
And Pharaoh's officials saw her and praised her before Pharaoh. And so they took her to Pharaoh's household and they treated Abram well because of her. And he acquired flocks and herds and male and female donkeys and slaves and camels. He lied. He deceived. Didn't God just tell him just, just a few short, I mean, we're 10 verses, 12 verses in. Didn't God just say, I will be with you, I will bless you, I'll bless those who bless, I'll curse those who curse you, I'll make your name great? Didn't, isn't that what God just said? Didn't that, he just promised, and, and, and Abraham just worshipped him for it. He said, yes, God! And he runs into a challenge, and what does he do? He says, I got this one, God. I'll figure this one out myself. It gets him in a lot of trouble, by the way, because God reveals the truth to Pharaoh. God reveals the truth to Pharaoh. But he took it into his own hands, and he said, no, God, I know what your promise was, but, but I'm going to do it my way. Verse 17 says that the Lord struck Pharaoh's house, household with a severe, severe plague because of what Abram did. I need you to understand something this morning that God has called you into his family. He's called you to a relationship with him. He's called you to live a life with him. And most of you in this room have answered that call or you're answering that call. But you're going to struggle. There's going to be times that you fall. There's going to be times that I fall, that I fail. That I head down a road with God and then I decide I know better. And there's always consequences when I do that. And I need you to understand something that for Abram, this is something he struggled with. This aspect of his life, you're going to read a few chapters later. We won't go there this morning. But he does the same thing again later on. Where he says, look, my wife is too beautiful and, 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 and they're going to want her. And so we're going to come up with a scheme once again. And we're going to tell the same lie again. And it's going to affect a group of people again. For some reason in Abram's life, he couldn't trust God in this one area. What's your area? What's the place in your life where you just can't seem to trust God? No matter how close we get to God, no matter how long we live with God, we will have a struggle. We will have a temptation. There will be something in our life that will draw us away. It always happens, folks, and you need to be aware of it. And you need to go before God often, giving him that area of your life and saying, God, this is my struggle. This is the area that I can't seem to say yes to you in. And it will plague every one of us because of our humanity. But even though Abram struggled, and even though he failed, and even though he fell, I need you to understand one more thing. At the end of his life, and when we look at him from the book of Hebrews, he's remembered through God's eyes and God's, God's way. Let me read these verses as I wrap this up this morning. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 to 10, it says this. By faith, Abraham, his name had been changed, when he was called, obeyed, 
and set out for a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise. He was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. That's how he's remembered. By faith, Abraham followed God. That's what we're told in in Hebrews. And folks, the same thing could be said of you. If you answer the call because God is calling in your life, he says, I have something for you. If you're a Christ follower, he says, look, I have a ministry for you. I have something that I want you to do. I have people that I want you to affect for the kingdom of God. And if you answer yes, No matter how much you struggle, no matter what the temptations are that you face, every time you say yes to God, God looks at you through the person of Jesus Christ and he says, by faith they answered and they followed me because I see them through what Christ did for them. And God looks at the person of Abram and he says, this guy was faithful to me. Did he get it right all the time? You answer, no. He didn't. But by faith, he followed God. And he kept following. Maybe you're sitting here this morning. And you're a Christ follower. And you've messed up. And you know it. And the last while for you, you've been wandering because you've been living life your own way. And you're like, God doesn't want me. He's tired of what I've been doing. No, he's not. He's waiting you for you to come back and say, yeah, I hear your voice, and I know you're right, and I'm going to do what you asked. I'm going to do what you asked. Because God wants to say the same thing about me and you by faith. <laughs> they followed, and they did what was right. How will you be remembered? How will you be remembered? By faith, put your name in. By faith, Tim set out. By faith, Tim trusted God's plan. By faith, Tim lived for God. We're not defined by our failures. We're defined by being obedient and following the God who's called us. Are you being obedient? Are you following? Are you answering? God, grant us the courage and the strength to say yes to your spirit. I don't know what your spirit is is doing in the hearts of each one of us here this morning. I know that you're at work. And I know for some, they've been running away from their call and they, they need to come back. God, draw them. Some are discouraged and just encourage them the way that you did Abram. You, you just kept encouraging him to take the next step. Do that in us. Help us at the end to be remembered for our faithfulness and how we followed you and how we said yes to you. God, continue to work in us. Continue to draw us to yourself. Make us the children of God that you want us to be. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you-